There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He's not an unfortunate looking man by any stretch of the imagination, but I never thought he was that handsome. But when you meet him in real life, he really does have unnaturally blue eyes and he does have sort of like a... He does have an energy that is... I can understand why uh, some of the girls uh, get a little bit excited when they meet him. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome back to our special series of The Bake Down Podcast. You're listening to Emily, one of the hosts for the Bake With A Legend virtual classes. And I'm joined each week by former Bake Off contestants and the real stars of this podcast, Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle, to reflect on this new celebrity series for Stand Up To Cancer. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined by another special guest today, Bake Off legend Dan Beasley-Harling. Thanks for joining us, Dan. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode. Before we talk celebrities, we've had a question come in from one of our listeners. Shout out to Jenna in Dallas, Texas. Jenna says that she loves the podcast and Bake with a Legend, but that she was surprised that we hadn't mentioned that the Queen of Puddings had been set as a technical challenge in the tent before, in Series 3, Episode 6 to be precise. And Jenna wants to know, how much do you, as new contestants, generally watch previous seasons before competing in the tent? Are many contestants avid fans of the show, or does it do more harm than good to scrutinise past episodes before you join the show? What do you three think to that? I didn't really watch series one and two. I think I just caught the end of series two, and I keep meaning to go back and have a look at it. So series two is the one that Joe. Weekly, weekly. I saw the end of that. Um, and I probably wasn't totally fanatical by series three, but I, I've certainly watched all of them. But my memory, oh, I'm a bit rubbish, really. And I don't think it's just because I'm getting old, like Dan pointed out. Um, how I put it. Honestly, <laughs> really. Um, I guess it for all these youngsters. I think Benjamina said I was old school in the tent. Anyway, that's another story. Um, I don't always remember all the technicals. To be honest, I don't always remember all the technicals from mine. So, um, 
yeah, that was John Waite's series, wasn't it? And I wasn't aware that we'd done Queen of Puddings before. And I keep meaning to go back and watch some of the old series again because I love seeing everybody and they're like old mates, really. But I just don't, I just don't have the time. So, you know, just thought through lockdown, I just sat down and watched everything, but I'm afraid I haven't. Um, so I forget. And I do love watching them, especially Howard um, and Anne, of course. But um, maybe that's something to do when the, the nights start drawing in again towards the end of the year. Howard, what about you? Were you an avid fan and an avid watcher of the Great British Bake Off before you went on? I suppose I've got fewer excuses than other people because obviously series four I'd only got three series to watch hadn't I? I did watch uh, as, as Jane I watched a little bit of one sort of caught up on two and was really drawn in by three I think so I should have known that Queen of Puddings was um, was it, technically in that particular series but a bit like Jane I think sometimes we, we just get distracted by other things and forget stuff Dan, how about you? Um, well, series three was how many years ago now? Eight years ago. Um, I, I have to say, I watched the series as they happen, but then I don't tend to watch them after that. So I couldn't tell you, you know, what happened in specific episodes. A lot of people think that before you go on the show, you will have studied previous seasons or you'll familiarise yourself with the judges' cookbooks. But there's just not really any time for that. You know, like we get set the challenges and we have to get on with that. And there's no time to, to sort of go back and research. And yeah, I confess now I'm just sort of more looking forwards. So I don't tend to, to, to go back and watch the previous uh, series so much. We're, I speak for myself, but I dare say I speak for everybody. We're always working on our own recipes. So we're, we're often not looking at other people's. We're concentrating on our own stuff. So I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Bake Off episodes, I am afraid. They're all great answers. Thank you so much. And thank you to Janet for your question. Your Bake Off knowledge is superb and we really appreciated your email. If you want to have your question answered, then just do what Jenna did and send us an email. You can email thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com and we'll read out any questions and have them answered by Jane, Howard and special guests. You'll have to be quick though, as next week is our final week of this celebrity series, so don't delay. Now, before we discuss the penultimate episode of the Celebrity Bake Off, we want to mention our free bake-along happening this Saturday, making delicious chocolate and banana galettes with mini egg ice cream with Jane. This webinar is free to attend, however we would encourage participants to make a donation to Stand Up To Cancer an amazing charity that funds life-saving research for cancer treatments. Bake With A Legend have set up a Just Giving page and 100% of donations will go directly to Stand Up To Cancer. Jane, would you like to tell our listeners what they can expect from this class? Yes, of course. Um, we're going to be making a banana and chocolate galette and we're going to be using Nutella. Uh, who doesn't like Nutella? But I will be giving you tips if you can't have Nutella because of nut allergies and things like that so you'll be able to make your own it goes with a health warning though because my husband doesn't like Nutella very much and he doesn't like baked 
bananas terribly, but couldn't resist eating this. So if it's sitting on your work surface, you will not be able to resist it. It is very, very yummy. Um, and mini egg ice cream. Well, it's a brilliant ice cream recipe. It's based on the classic no churn ice cream, which has got condensed milk in it, but it's got my own little twist, plus a shed loads of crushed mini eggs. So yeah, do join me. It will be good fun. It's my first webinar, actually. I know that Dan has done one. Rosie's done one. I think Dan's done two, actually. I remember attending your first scone one, which was very entertaining. So please do join in and um, donate to this wonderful charity. We all have been touched by cancer at some point. Um, you don't have to give much, just sort of, a pa if, I can't remember how many we had. So I think for Dan's, we had hundreds and hundreds. And if everybody gave a pound or two, that's raising quite a lot of money for a good cause. So hopefully see you this Saturday. It would be lovely. Definitely. Thanks, Jane. So just make sure that you register for this class in advance and thank you for your generous contributions to this worthy cause. So this week brought us documentary maker and presenter Stacey Dooley, comedian Catherine Ryan, Little Nick singer Jade Thurwall and YouTube sensation KSI as they competed to see who would be crowned star baker this week. For this week's signature challenge, the celebrities were asked to make a batch of nine identical fondant fancies inspired by their favourite cocktail. They were given two and a half hours for the challenge, which involved making a light and moist sponge with a thin, delicate layer of fondant icing and a blob of buttercream in the middle. I'm going to come to each of you now to get your thoughts on this signature challenge. And to give you a little bit of thinking time, I'm going to start by saying that if I was doing this challenge, I'd have gone for a mojito flavoured fondant fancy. But I want to know what is your favourite cocktail and how would you have recreated it for this challenge? Oh God, this challenge, we did fondant fancies in the semi-final. It's an absolute car crash. <laughs> Such a hard challenge. And for four very inexpensive, experienced bakers uh, <laughs> I thought it was really particularly cruel um, but I can't think of the name of my cocktail that I would do what's the one that's pineapple and coconut somebody Pina colada. yes okay it, I mean I know it's boring but when I did used to drink cocktails when I had a probably a sweeter tooth than I do now I used to like the odd pina colada so I'd probably do pina colada flavor because it's easy isn't it who doesn't like coconut who doesn't like pineapple and then rum goes brilliantly in a cake so my choice would be a pina colada fondant fancy uh, but actually my choice would be no fondant fancies at all because I don't think I could ever pluck up the courage to make them again. Thanks Jane. Howard how about you? I'm not a great cocktail fan I think quite often they can be a little bit too sweet but I do remember enjoying one particular evening I'm not name dropping or place dropping or whatever in a Berlin bar um, drinking espresso martinis and I think that would probably be my favourite. I do love that that sort of bitterness of the coffee. I also quite like the crunch of a roasted coffee bean so I think trying to get, get one of those in would be nice. 
Very nice. And Dan, what about you? I've got to say, I do not like the idea of espresso martini at all. It's kind of like a posh vodka Red Bull. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just like a, a, a huge hit of caffeine and some alcohol to keep you levelled out. No, I have to say, when it comes to cocktails, I'd like to pretend I'm vaguely sophisticated or masculine and say like an old-fashioned or a Manhattan or something, but probably like Jane a Pina Colada, if I'm being completely honest. Absolutely delicious. Um, the cocktails I genuinely like the most are Pina Coladas and Strawberry Daiquiris because they are incredibly sweet and full of rum, which is my favourite spirit. So yeah, I might have made something uh, like JJ made. Yeah, I think that would have been delicious. But yeah, probably a pina colada because pineapple and coconut are quite are quite easy to get into a cake, actually. You know, the hummingbird cake is quite a classic one that's made with pineapple um, and coconut. You could quite easily turn that into a fondant fancy. So that would probably be a good choice. Brilliant. Well, KSI, or JJ, as we're going to refer to him in today's podcast, made a strawberry daiquiri fancy with strawberry jam filling and coating it in strawberry and rum icing. Stacy went for a Shirley Temple, which included a ginger sponge with lime buttercream and grenadine icing topped with a glacé cherry. Catherine decided she was going to make a gluten-free cake and made her favourite espresso martini in fondant fancy form with coffee sponge, chocolate buttercream and a coffee liqueur and chocolate fondant. And it was during this introduction to Catherine's cake that we were alerted to the fact that Paul was channelling his inner bewitched and wearing double denim in the tent. (laughs) And I was curious about this because there were quite a lot of comments about Paul in this episode. Did you notice that Jade has a bit of a crush on Paul Hollywood? Lily was very, very taken with with Paul Hollywood. And in the flesh, she does have very blue eyes. So one could just question her taste. Um, but she won't be the first person to have fallen foul of his... Charms? Charms. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't try and work his charms on me. I'd just like to point that out. Um, but then perhaps I'm a little old... What did you think, Dan and Howard? Because Jade said she actually felt quite distracted. She felt he was quite intense when he came over to her bench. I think uh, Jade just knows who's pulling the strings at Bake Off and she knows who to appease. I think that's probably it, don't you? I wasn't above flirting with Paul when I was in the tent. (laughs) (laughs) It worked for you, Dan, though. (laughs) It worked for a while. I'll take it. Jade opted for a porn star martini with passion fruit buttercream, vodka syrup soaked sponge and a Prosecco fondant. And Jade mentioned that she'd practiced this recipe twice before entering the tent. So, a question for you three. How much preparation were you able to do for your challenges? Did you know what was coming each week? Howard, I'm going to come to you first for this one. Um, I think there's two lots of preparation. So you you do do the preparation as you're developing the, the recipes in the first place. They've got to be all in before you you start filming, basically. So th- there's that kind of preparation. And then there's the kind of week-to-week preparation that you're trying to fit in before the next uh, filming takes place. So uh, I struggled, I must admit. I was working full-time at the time and trying to find time to practice during the week. Um, was really tricky. I, I put a lot of practice in before week one because you're you're able to find a little bit of time before the first week and then suddenly the weeks start mounting up and it's really, really hard to find time in between. 
Dan, how about you? How did you find the preparation for the bakes each week? I mean, basically exactly what Howard said. Um, I think some people assume they'll make the final and then sort of spread their work evenly over the 10 weeks. And some of us are just desperately hoping we get through the next week and throwing ourselves 100% into what's coming up. And that was my kind of vibe, which is I think probably why I did quite well for a while and then nosedived spectacularly. But people have different approaches to the work. But I was very much a kind of just throw yourself into practicing for the coming week um but it does it does burn you out and i think jane uh, got further than both howard and i so maybe she'll be a better position to know um but it's it's quite it's a bit of a marathon isn't it jane yeah absolutely um, sue and mel said to us once we got past week five okay so that was fun and the initial enthusiasm gets you this far and now it's all about stamina and that was so true you could see people who just ran out of steam and it was it wasn't as though they didn't care they just didn't have the energy anymore to to you finish baking you go home and you get home at some ungodly hour you can't sleep because you're still wound up from your two days of filming and then you might not have five days at home Probably you're going to be working. In fact, I think all of us were working some way or another. You've got to try and tweak your recipes and get some practice and work and manage a family. And you do, you just run out of energy. And, and submitting all your recipes at the beginning, you put a lot of effort into your first two or three episodes. And then it's like, oh my goodness, I've got another two recipes, four recipes actually, to get in by the deadline. Um, and, and you just sort of chuck some ingredients on a piece of paper and submit it and hope that it does it. And, and hope that you get to the end, but you, you know, you haven't very often had much time to practice some of those later recipes. So it is, it's absolutely a marathon and it's down to stamina, I think. Um, nothing else, because everybody who gets on, you know, pretty good bakers, it's just whether you can keep up that energy level. Luckily for an oldie, I did manage to keep going <laughs> um, and my children weren't particularly young at the time and I was self-employed so that made life a hell of a lot easier but um, yeah it's a, it's a toughie. I think we've talked about it before how it's said actually doing it the way they've done it in the bubble this last um, series is difficult because you're not at home with your family and your friends but in another way you don't have any other distractions from the moment you finish filming to the moment you start filming again all you've got to concentrate on is practicing your bakes so in a way that makes life a little bit easier i think because certainly i've sat on the sofa going well if you haven't practiced it what do you expect but actually having been in the tent you really do realize that the amount of time you have for practicing is really quite short it is. You know, by the, by the time I got home and my husband had finished scolding me for not looking after the children for three days, uh, you know, there wasn't much time left to practice. Uh, there was, you know, you get home, you do your work, you'd catch up on all the things you didn't do over the weekend. And then there was sort of half a day to practice before you went back again. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a slog and it is, it is an uphill battle all the way. Great. Thank you all for those insights. So the celebrities had varying levels of success in this challenge and they were all a little bit messy and the fondant had largely soaked into the majority of the fancies. Would any of you like to advise on what they could have done differently to ensure that the fondant covered the cakes nicely? 
Jane, I wonder if you might be best placed to answer this as you did it in your final. Yeah, no, I don't think I'm in any position to advise anybody. How, that, the only thing I would say is don't do them. They're hard. It, it, two and a half hours is no time at all. Fondant is really messy. Trying to carve up your cake when it's still very fresh is almost impossible. I like Jane's way of baking them individually so you didn't have to cut them up. She'd obviously really thought about it. And also chilling down little domes of buttercream is a great idea. But, you know, classic bake-off. Impossible to do a good fondant fancy in two and a half hours. Especially if you can't bake. Well, Prue said that KSI's was very sweet and described it as being like pure sugar. Stacey's was a bit messy, but Prue said that the sponge was moist and Paul said it was beautifully baked and that the ginger came through nicely and overall remarked that it was messy but delicious. Catherine had a bit more success with her fondant and the judges said that she had good flavours but that the pieces were a bit messy and could have been smaller and neater and Jade was told that her sponges gave a whack of passion fruit and that the sponge and flavours were fantastic, but just needed to be a little bit more uniform. So, Howard, Dan, Jane, any further comments on this challenge or the results? Well, can I just say, because of course you can't shut me up, I felt sorry for JJ, to be honest, because clearly it wasn't his recipe. Somebody's given him a recipe, haven't they, for this strawberry daiquiri? And... The sweetest cake ever. Bless him. He was so excited when he made jam. He was so excited when he made anything. Um, I just thought he was a real charmer. But the sweetest cake ever. Well, blame the person that wrote the recipe, which is probably one of the home economists. Of course, thing. It's not his fault. He was just doing what was written down on a bit of paper. I thought that was a bit harsh, really. Okay. You don't think they come up with the recipes themselves? <laughs> what? No. I'm sorry. You don't think so? I'm, so, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry to, sh- to shatter your illusions, Dan. And while we're at it, the, the tooth fairy isn't real either. <laughs> For any children listening, Jane's last statement can be discredited. <laughs> Jane's comments do not reflect the views of Bake with a Legend. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what were your thoughts? Do you know what? I thought they did quite well, actually. Um, I thought Jade's actually looked really good. They looked like a classic fondant fancy. They weren't all finished beautifully, all perfect. But the, the general impression was, I thought, was wonderful. Um, obviously, the other person who did, did a good job was uh, Catherine, but they were too big. Like, a fondant fancy is supposed to be a little petite, delicate, yeah, tiny finger cake. It's not supposed to be a big wadge of cake. So, yeah, I think really just the size sort of let her down on those. Uh, I thought they actually all did a pretty good uh, job. And as Jane said, very hard to do in in two, two and a half hours. Um, My tip for fondant fancies, if anyone cares, is cover them in buttercream and chill them right down. Like maybe even freeze them. Uh, Put them in the freezer for sort of half an hour. So they're really solid. Stick a fork in the bottom, but then drizzle the uh, fondant over it. And I do it over the bowl. So the fondant just falls back into the bowl. And then you shouldn't, because you frozen you won't get crumbs in and then you can just keep reusing the fondant so that's how i would do it but they wouldn't have had time to have done that in the challenge so um yeah i don't know good luck guys brilliant thanks dan and howard any comments from you before we move on to technical yeah i think i think it's sad sometimes isn't it when the judges are sort of giving uh, advice that actually the bakers probably haven't heard so Pooh said that they need to be really well chilled um before they put the fondant on 
And if they've not been told that, then I think they're, they're going to be stuck, aren't they? Thank you, Howard. I think you're absolutely right. And they hadn't pre-warned the celebrities that they should probably freeze them. So I think they did the best that they could in that challenge. Oh, hello, it's Howard here. Now, if you fancy joining me for a spot of baking, I've got some very exciting classes coming up. On Sunday, the 11th of April, we're ready to roll with a delicious Austrian apple strudel. Definitely want to impress your friends and literally stretch your baking skills. We'll be rolling up our sleeves to tackle making paper-thin strudel dough, and then we'll roll this up around lightly spiced, juicy apples to make a crispy classic dessert. It's the one they sing about in The Sound of Music. Well, not specifically my strudel or your strudel, but you know what I mean. On Sunday, the 18th of April, it's back by popular demand. Hold on to your custard as I show you my infamous British trifle. Oh, and my English muffin and crumpet class has proved so popular, we've slotted in an extra day, Saturday, the 17th of April. Well, I hope to see you very soon. to the technical next which was set by Paul this week and the celebrities were asked to make a cherry lattice pie with a buttery sweet short crust pastry and accompanying custard and they were given two hours to complete it. Jane I'm going to come to you and ask about this one as it reminded me of the beautiful lattice jam tarts that you make in your Bake with a Legend Bakewell tart classes. What were your thoughts on this challenge? Prue said it was a really difficult pie to make. Would you agree with that? Well, with a lot of these fruit pies, lattice is always tricky anyway. Um, you, you know, there, there's definitely a knack to making a lattice. So for for the bakers or the, the celebrities rather, because they're certainly not bakers, that was tricky. And with all these fruit pies, it's working out how you can get the moisture really out of the fruit so that it doesn't do exactly what it did for all of these, i.e. All, all the juice runs out and you can't get a clean cut. So it's a hard one. And pastry is difficult anyway. <laughs> it just made me laugh when um, Stacey was supposed to be rubbing in the butter and she just got this huge lump that she was trying to rub. I mean, she, didn't, she hadn't cubed to the butter or anything. So I think it's a tricky challenge. And using frozen cherries... Well, if anybody's used a bag of frozen cherries, then they're great and you can get them in the supermarket over here. You really do need to get a lot of moisture out of them. There's so much juice. Poor things. Um, it, it didn't surprise me at all that they ended up with a little bit of a disaster. Thanks, Jane. Dan, Howard, anything to add? I think what it appeared to me that they were trying to do was create something like a kind of tinned pie filling or charred pie filling. So they were thickening up these cherries by putting corn flour and, and other ingredients in there. But you could well imagine that actually it might have been easier just to provide them with a tin of cherry pie filling. And Dan, what did you think? Yeah, I think I do feel that the uh, using the frozen cherries was was almost sort of like a deliberate trap to to trip them all up because yeah, it, you, obviously you do need to thicken that up with you know corn flour or maybe some tapioca starch. You know, th that will obviously uh, help. But I felt very sorry for them because it's not easy. I mean, pastry isn't easy at the best of times. It's very hard to avoid a soggy bottom. Did they blind bake those? No. No. I didn't think they did. So that's going to be hard to get, a, you know, a, a sturdy bottom anyway. They all did actually pretty okay. And uh, apart from um, JJ, who didn't really attempt a lattice at all, um, but obviously you couldn't see that because he served it upside down. <laughs> 
<laughs> what I loved about that bit was just the look of absolute horror when he realised what he'd done. And with the cherry juice blowing all over the table, it just looked like a murder scene. <laughs> I think... I mean, I can't speak for all of us, but there's, we often have that moment in the tent like where you've just made a critical error and you're just staring at what you've just done and just thought, oh, there's no way to fix this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they probably would have been, uh, they probably wouldn't have liked the top of his pie either as it was cooked for about 10 minutes. So uh, maybe it was better that he served it upside down and it looked like a physical error rather than a baking one. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that pasty was pretty raw and it was quite a mess, bless him. Well, I was going to ask each of you actually whether there were any moments in your seasons in the tent where you did something and immediately regretted it afterwards like poor JJ did oh god yeah the week I went home I made so many errors I think I was basically having some kind of mental breakdown uh, I know Karen has spoken about it before uh, when she did the technical in cake week and her mind just went blank and it's like she forgot how to bake um, and the same thing happened to me for basically all of week six and I did things like I was making pastry and I just threw all the water in like rather than doing it slowly or I was making shoe and I just threw all the eggs in you know and I just kind of I yeah I sort of so I've, I've definitely had moments in the tent when you I think the thing with the tent is if you're confident and you feel under control you're fine but the second you start to panic you start to do ridiculous things like that uh, and that's been that's not unique to me many many people who've been in the tent have said the same thing but I don't know if that happened to I mean Howard likes to misplace his custard when he gets stressed did you have any things like that, Howard? Oh, yeah. I, I think that, again, the week that I left, I made the fatal error of... Um, we'd, we'd got one workstation that wasn't being used, and I asked if I could prove some um, some little um, um, sweet dough balls in there and didn't check the temperature of it, and they, they kind of blew up. And, and something stupidly in my mind thought oh because i've overproved them and they want identical buns i better overprove the other ones and it's like why why have i made this stupid mistake of overproving in order to make them identical when i could have at least had half of them that were okay but you it, it does it it kind of messes you with your mind jane did you have any moments like that I can't think of any. I, I mean, I, I think I was one of those people that sort of bumped along in the middle somewhere. So I never really had any major, major disasters, except obviously with my chocolate collars, which I kept trying to do and they kept failing. Um, but I do remember trying to warm some butter up because it was rock hard. And I was trying to warm it up in my proving drawer, but I had my proving drawer set too high. And... Um, then forgot about it and it must have been about a pound and a half of butter and I went to get it out and it was actually liquid it the poor poor crew had to come and siphon out my proving drawer so you all do dumb things and you all forget things because it's a, it's a really weird environment trying to do things in the tent so I'm sure if I looked back I suppose this is my old memory not uh, trying to wipe things out the only things I can remember are, are, are damp noodle and fondant fancies at the moment which still haunt, haunt my dreams but I don't think I'd have done any better if I went back and did it again oh 
brilliant. Well, it's great to know that it's not just the celebrities that feel the pressure at times in the tent and end up doing some inexplicable things like upending your pie onto your cake stand. <laughs> Apart from that, though, JJ did really well with his custard and ended up helping Catherine and Stacey. So I think he can certainly be proud of that. I think helping is generous. <laughs> I think he ruined it for them. Um, no, so uh, in case anyone didn't catch it, what they did was they made the recipe and then chucked in extra corn flour, which is just complete folly. And that's just going to make your custard lumpy. And uh, yeah, it was like wallpaper paste, wasn't it? That wasn't, uh, it didn't have a nice mouthfeel, I would imagine. That wasn't JJ's fault, though. They had already decided to put the extra corn flour in before he said that he'd just boiled his. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So by the time he told, told them that, they'd already got tons more cornflour in there. It was just a patience thing, wasn't it, really? Mm. Yeah. I just want one thing on this technical. Um, I think for these celebrities, not just this one, but all of the celebrities, they ought to at least give them the length of baking time. Because I don't know about the others, I think this pie, in order not to get a soggy bottom and make sure the pastry is all cooked and everything stiffened up nicely in there, it's probably best part of an hour's bake, I would say. And if they at least knew that, they wouldn't be ending up with raw dough and worrying about that. So you're a really, really inexperienced baker to know how long something should bake would really help. These pies do take a long time. You know, I, I, you know, if I'm doing a, bake, a large bake bowl tart, doing bake bowl tarts, um, uh, the ones that I do for Bake the Legend classes, you know, take a good 25 to 30 minutes to bake and they're small ones and an hour for a large one. These fruit pies take at least an hour for a large one. You're not buying baking the pastry. You're shoving it all in there and you really need to get that pastry crisp on the bottom. So I do think they ought to give them, say, bake it for an hour. And at least they know they can work back from there and know what they're heading for. I think it kind of set up to fail, but maybe that makes it funny. Oh, it was definitely a funny challenge. Well, when it came to the judging, Paul said that Stacey's was very liquid, but that her pastry was very good. Although he mentioned that there was too much corn flour and lumpiness in her custard, as we've already said. Paul said that JJ's pie was the worst he'd ever seen and Prue didn't even want to taste it as the pastry was completely mushy and underbaked. However, they did say that the custard was spot on. Catherine also suffered from undercooked pastry and thick custard and Jade's was described as being the best of a bad bunch. However, it did have a completely soaked bottom. JJ came in fourth place with Stacey in third, Catherine in second place and Jade in first. What did you all think of this order and how they did in the end? Jane? I'd written it down. I mean, Howard and I, I think, always try to guess what the order is. And I had written the order down and got it right. I think it was quite an easy one to pick this time, really. I just want to say I've written here in my notes, Jade, love her, exclamation mark. She's lovely, isn't she? She's so down to earth and so pretty. I absolutely love her. I love them all. But JJ again, I, you know, I thought I just, I know, what a nice bunch they all were. But yes, I got the, sorry, that was a little aside. Um, I got them all, I got it right, I got it right. Star for me. Howard, did you get it right this week? I did get it right this week, yes. As, as Jane uh, said, it, it wasn't hard to actually pick the order this week. So, uh, so yeah, but it just, it just, it still gives you a, a little sense of accomplishment. <laughs> and Dan, what did you think of their results? 
Yeah, I also picked it. Um, it was fairly obvious just from the visible that uh, that who was going to do better and who was going to do worse. I was a little sad. I was Catherine. I love Catherine Ryan, and I love her. I've been seeing her at comedy shows so many times. She's sort of irreverent and stupid, and that's probably why I like her. I was desperately hoping that she was going to take it after her strong start, but I think no, Jade was a, a worthy winner. Although I have to say, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling really old watching this one because I didn't know who JJ is, and I didn't know who Jade. Is. I think I stopped paying attention to pop music around the time Little Mix came on the scene. So I've never felt so old. Um, I, this is <laughs> clearly for the young people because I was like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> well, you've been calling me old all morning. So I knew who Jade I'd just like you to know I knew who Jade was. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we know who Jade is. I'm down with the kids. I, I haven't any idea who JJ was, although I really loved him. And he clearly was very popular with the judges. Crew really liked him and they gave him a lot of help, didn't they? So I think he's even lovelier behind the scenes than he is on screen. It's so nice getting an insight into some of these young people because it, you know, they're just absolutely delightful. And when you get as old as me, you miss out on a lot of this new, new stuff and these youngsters. Oh, I thought it's lovely to see them all. And I think quite young, actually. Talking to you, Dan, it makes me feel quite young. <laughs> I am an old soul. Um, no, JJ is very charismatic, uh, very positive and fun, and he brought a really wonderful energy to the tent. I really enjoyed having him there. Yeah. Howard, any thoughts from you? I knew Jade, but uh, had no idea who JJ was. But yeah, what a charmer. Lovely, lovely. Hello, everyone. It's Jane here. I hope you're loving the Bake Down podcast for Celebrity Stand Up to Cancer as much as we are. It's such fun. I just thought I'd let you know I have space on one or two classes coming up. Rum Bar Bars on the 11th of April, a perennial favourite and absolutely delicious. And then who said I couldn't make caramel? I've got an extended showstopper caramel cake class on the 18th of April and on the 1st of May. And then donuts who doesn't love a donut and that's on the 9th of may so if you'd like to bake any of those do join me for the showstopper this week the celebrities were asked to make an impressive 3d biscuit and meringue scene that represents the thing they cannot live without and they were given three and a half hours to make 12 biscuits and six meringues creating either french italian or swiss meringue Dan, as our special guest, I'm going to ask you first what you would have chosen for this showstopper challenge. What thing can't you live without? Honestly? Coffee? I don't know. I probably would have come up with something more wholesome like my family. I don't know, you know. Um, Yeah, it probably would have been my family. Thanks, Dan. Howard, what about you? Oh, do you know, I'm really shallow, I think. I think things that I can't live without, I've discovered um, probably... Uh, red wine is one of the things I can't live without. And crisps. I love g- kind of good quality crisps, um, which is going to be a really difficult thing to put as a, as a kind of 3D biscuit showstopper, isn't it? I would love to say a partner, um, <laughs> but I think red wine and crisps eat it. <laughs> oh, I love that, Howard. And Jane, what about you? What can't you live without? Well, I think... Going back to Dan's, you know, you can just say, obviously, my family. 
um, obviously my family, but I am going to do this because, so I think you can get away with that. Um, I'm a bit like Dan and Howard think I couldn't live without a cup of tea. I mean, I don't drink now, but a cup of tea would be the thing. But probably for the show, I would say, certainly in COVID times, I'd say supper with friends um so i could do a a scene in the garden because i really can't wait until we're allowed to meet up with half a dozen people in our own garden so in order to keep in with the current theme and genuinely mean it i'm so looking forward to being able to have a meal with friends in the garden so i'd probably do a garden scene and and some of us sitting around a table god that would be hard to do i never learn do i just really pick a much easier theme to do that would be a hard one to do but there we go that's probably what it would be lovely so jj made his bedroom which is where he first started making videos and he included a bed tv chair and desk made of chocolate biscuit with orange flavored french meringue and vanilla buttercream decoration and i noticed during this section that paul was helping jj with his kitchen aid and advising him on what to do next i imagine this is purely reserved for the celebrity series but were any of you ever given any helpful advice from the judges or the hosts during a challenge Absolutely not. No, I think um, Paul comes round and he says things like, uh, he he doesn't try to help you, he deliberately tries to unnerve you and make you doubt yourself. Uh, You know, he'll come round and say, uh, like, are you sure that that is the appropriate amount of whatever? And you're like, yes, I am. I've tested it. Thank you very much. But yeah, no, he will, like, in, in my experience, he would just deliberately try to unnerve you. Yeah, he would he would uh, sort of encourage me to doubt my flavors and stuff like. So luckily, I always ignored him. So I did all right for a while. But uh, yeah, no, he never tried to help me ever. On to Stacey next, where Matt acknowledged the number of Bake Off fans in the US. So shout out to all of our US Bake Off fans listening. After Stacey revealed she would be making a tribute to Gloria Estefan with vanilla shortbread, musical note shaped golden meringue and vanilla buttercream. Jade recreated a Little Mix concert with meringue and biscuit audience members and a ginger biscuit stage and band members with a backdrop of a candied screen. And Catherine demonstrated her prior knowledge of Swiss meringue and created five anime-style meringue dogs alongside chocolate biscuit kennels and orange-flavoured buttercream for the grass. Jane, Dan, Howard, before we move on to the judges' comments, what did you all think of how the celebrities got on in this final challenge? Howard, do you want to give us your thoughts first? I thought they did really well, actually. I thought it was quite a tricky challenge in terms of deciding how to get those kind of 3D elements in there. So um, I think some people had gone for the idea of of doing um, flat biscuits and then constructing something as Catherine did with a little uh, dog kennel. Jade had gone for the, the kind of stage effect, which didn't really work as as well as she'd hoped it would um but yeah i have to say Catherine's dogs were gorgeous i loved her little dogs and dan what did you think uh yeah very much like howard um as i often say like i'm sort of uh, good at being neat and tidy but i'm not very artistic so whenever anyone is artistic i'm always very impressed by that and i think uh Catherine did a wonderful job with with piping those uh, meringue dogs i thought they were just wonderful also the only person to try a swiss meringue uh, i thought it was quite impressive i think 
it was a bit sparse on the ground. You know, there was... Um, the biscuit was good, uh, the meringues were good, but unfortunately, I think the decoration was a little sparse. Although I'm intrigued to know what you might think, Howard, because obviously you are a gluten-free guru. Uh, what was going on with that xanthan gum? Do you, can you speak to that? Yeah, xanthan gum. Um, so quite often, it's, you, you use a, a teaspoon of xanthan gum because it helps bind the mixture together a little bit. I must admit, I tend to use it, if I am using it, more in something like a cake which is a large one where you run the risk of it sinking in the middle. So it helps to give a little bit more structure to the cake. It's not really crucial to put in something like biscuits. Biscuits work perfectly well without um, sandpan gum. You can um, use other things like a little bit of extra egg white, anything that will help just bind it together. The biscuit dough looked quite unattractive, um, so I was wondering how that was going to affect uh, the final texture. But I did, the judges didn't say anything bad about it, so I'm assuming it was uh, not an issue. Uh, I think, obviously, the other standout was Jade. She'd fallen a little bit short of her artistic vision, but I think the overall effect was still very good. So, yeah, obviously, though, for me, uh, Catherine and, and uh, Jade were the, the two standouts from the Showstopper round. Great. Thank you both. And Jane, what did you think of our celebrities' Showstopper Bakes this week? Oh, yeah, much the same. I loved the dogs. When she first started putting them together and piping them, I couldn't quite see where they were going. Um, they just looked like blobs. But at the end, oh, I thought she did a great... They were great when they sweep that little tongue and then a pair of glasses to look like Prue. I thought Catherine did a great job on that. I wasn't sure about the biscuits because I thought at one point when they were biting into it, it looked as though they might break their teeth. But as, you, as Dan said, they didn't mention it. I just found Stacey's wasn't really 3D, was it? Um, to be honest, I think she had a bit of a disaster. And JJ, I loved all the comments about, uh, you need to put that in the fridge because they're clearly helping him. You need to chill that down, put it in the fridge. Um, that's the fridge there. And he took the, he took the teasing really well. His laugh is so infectious. Um, I would just say, go back to the whole Paul thing. When Catherine said she was making Swiss meringue, Paul said, so are you going to uh, blowtorch it then? He was implying that you didn't bake Swiss meringue. And if you, you know, if you put it on a if you put it on a tart, you can just blowtorch it because it's actually a cooked meringue. But you can bake it perfectly well. I'll make I make um, children's sort of meringue lollipops with Swiss meringue, and it bakes and it dries out really well, and it stays firm for a good long time. It's a very good meringue to use. But he was in, I don't know if this is your hump coming up, Howard, because it it annoyed me that he didn't say. Yes, of course you can bake Swiss meringue the same way as you can bake French meringue. So I just, his implication was you couldn't bake it, but you had to blowtorch it. So Paul Catherine was there going, do I have to blowtorch it? What does he mean? I haven't got a blowtorch. It really unsettled her a bit at the time. I'm glad she stuck with it because she did a great job on those little dogs. Brilliant. Yeah, and another misleading and unhelpful comment from Paul then. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so for the results of the showstopper, Prue was very impressed with Catherine's meringue doggies, as we all were, and said that the buttercream grass and biscuit doghouse tasted very nice. And Paul said it tasted delicious and looked very good. But they both mentioned that the meringue just needed a bit longer in the oven. Stacey's was described as being a bit all over the place and Paul seemed a bit miffed that she'd gone for vanilla flavours and nothing else, but said that the biscuit tasted nice and the meringue was good. 
Jade was up next and her 3D creation looked really impressive and had excellent attention to detail, including a revolving stage. Prue found the bake to be very charming and Paul said he was mightily impressed, but that the meringue needed a little bit longer in the oven as well. And Prue introduced JJ's bake by saying she had low expectations of him at the start, but Paul said the biscuit tasted nice and that it was cut beautifully. Prue also felt that the meringue was good and Paul described JJ's improvement as a triumph and gave him a Hollywood handshake for good measure. So, overall, Prue loved McCatherine's meringue dogs. They mentioned Jay's beautiful screen, said Stacy had done well, and Paul mentioned that JJ had impressed him by being the most improved. But who came out on top to take home that coveted Star Baker title? So, after her delicate fondant fancy, coming first in the technical challenge and creating the beautiful Little Mix concert scene, Jade excelled herself in the tent and it went to show us all that preparation and practice is key to Bake Off success. Bakers, what did we think of our winner? Jane, shall I come to you first? Oh, I really liked Jade. I thought she was lovely. I, I still have this wonderful picture of her very delicately coloured fondant fancies. I think she did a great job. You know, I, I was impressed. She had practised. She really tried hard. She planned it well. A really deserved winner, I thought. And I, I, Yet another um, Little Mix fan joins the clan. I thought she was lovely and did a great job. I'm loving this celebrity series. I'm, I'm suddenly fangirling lots of new people thanks jane and howard what did you think yeah i thought jade jade was definitely uh, a deserved winner i think she went in with the right attitude she'd obviously done the the preparation she thought about the bakes and uh, although she was a little bit overawed by paul's presence um i think it didn't affect her in a bad way so i think yeah she she channeled her inner bake-off and um, succeeded in the end well done Thanks, Howard. And Dan, what did you think of our winner? Yeah, seemed very fair. You know, as I said, I'm, I was rooting for Catherine. I'm a big Catherine Ryan fan and I was rooting for her to win. But I think, you know, it was kind of neck and neck in signature. Jade obviously won the technical and sort of neck, neck and neck again in the showstopper. So unfortunately, I don't think we could uh, we could argue with that. I think Jade was a worthy winner. Uh, as Jane said, I think her fondant fancies were particularly good. They really looked like fondant fancies. Um, Obviously, she was she was first in in technical. It's, it it seemed like a very fair decision, and uh, it, it was exciting to see someone who uh, was obviously such a fan of the show as well. So that was nice. Um, it was it was great to see her win. Hello, everyone. It's Dan here, and I'm very excited to tell you that I still have just a few places left for my cream egg macaron class on Easter Sunday. That's this Sunday, the fourth of. April. If you haven't made macaron with me before, now would be the perfect time to do it. I also have a couple of showstopper classes coming up for a Gatos St. Honoré, a fiendishly difficult patisserie. And if you would like me to show you how to make that, check out my classes towards the end of April and May. I hope to see some of you there. Okay, so time to move on to Howard's Hump. Howard, What's going to be your hump for this week? Right. Well, I thought 
I would give Paul a little bit of a break this week. I, no! I yes. <laughs> no, I felt a bit sorry for him this week, I have to say. Um, I think quite often he's asked to make kind of coherent comments and sometimes he's, he's not able to do that. So he kind of reaches for a word and accidentally pulls something else out. He said at one point, a fondant fancy basically is two levels of sponge with buttercream in the middle covered in fondant. So I think he meant layers of cake rather than levels unless his fondant fancies have a subliminal level. But um, but yeah, the thing that annoyed me this week was Jade Blesser using a cutter with, this, with the barcode still on it. So I'm thinking, has nobody washed this before? I do hate that, where people leave labels on things. You occasionally see people who've got new washing machines or things like that, and they've left a label on them instead of kind of taking it off. So I don't know why the crew or anybody had noticed that they hadn't noticed that this cutter had still got a sticky label on it. Um, please take your labels off. Wash your cutters before you use them. Oh, I love that, Howard. Dan or Jane, do you have any comments on Howard's hump this week? Well, I, I know what you mean, Howard, because I've been uh, to people's houses before where they've got like a new appliance, like a dishwasher or something, and they've got the plastic on top of the metal that hasn't been peeled off. And I always say like at the corner, and I don't take it off, it's to protect it. And I'm like, <laughs> take the plastic off. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I kind of, I, I know what you're talking about. I didn't even notice it. And I'm probably one of those people that I do try and take my labels off. But if the glue, that's what bugs me is when the glue is so gluey, that trying to get these labels off is almost impossible. So if a label doesn't come off, it just stays on, I'm afraid, and eventually washes off in the dishwasher. So I, I'm not quite so worried about my labels as Howard. Um, I, and I didn't, I really didn't notice it. On the subject of Howard's hump, um, I remember in a previous season, uh, we were, both Howard and I were very upset about the fact that they were cutting their silicon moulds to get the cakes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm thrilled that Jay didn't do that because I was waiting, when I saw she was doing them in individual moulds, I was waiting to be furious. And I was very glad that she didn't do that because that upset me to my core uh, when we saw that in the last season. So good for Jade. Watching out for the environment, sustainability, we stand. Hello folks, I'm Sam. And I'm Martin. And every week for the last five years, we've got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette <laughs> and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hole, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl. Uh, he's also the gravelly voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on Flix Watcher. So make sure you check those episodes out. And when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits. And that concludes this week's podcast. Tune in again next week to hear Jane and Howard's thoughts on the final episode of Celebrity Bake Off for Stand Up to Cancer. And in the meantime, why not have a look on our website at our classes and consider doing some baking of your own? We currently have spaces available for Howard's Hot Cross Buns and Dan's Cream Egg Macarons this Sunday, the 4th of April. And don't forget to register for our free Bake Along webinar with Jane, taking place on Saturday to raise funds for Stand Up to Cancer. Just visit bakewithalegend.com. 
And as a final reminder to you, our podcast listener, you can get 10% off any class booking by using the promo code PODCAST. Thank you for joining us again this week and we hope to see you at a Bake With A Legend class very soon. We'll be back again next week for the final instalment of the Celebrity Series for the Bake Down podcast. You just heard a stripped media production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 